Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. At C3, we exist to help people pattern their lives after Jesus. This message was first given as part of our teaching series at C3. Awesome. So again, we're, con- we're continuing in the Gospel of Mark today. We're picking up at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. So you can turn to your into your Bibles, you can turn on your Bible phone, or you can follow on the screens behind me. All right, picking up at verse 28 of Mark chapter 12. Jesus is still in the, t- in the temple with his disciples. Verse 28. On, w- on one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater, there there is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is the more important is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, "You are not far from the kingdom of God." And from then on, No one dared ask him any more questions. Love God and love neighbor. Did anybody see the Arnold Schwarzenegger commercial? Love you like a good neighbor. It's neighbor, Arnie. It's neighbor. Never mind. If you didn't see it, I just love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He cracks me up all the time. Neighbor. Love your neighbor. You know what? Turn to the person next to you and say, love your neighbor. Yes, yes. I wanted to do, make you guys do that all week long, okay? That's how, I watched that commercial over and over and over again. Uh, there is this story that I learned from Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob, give us a wave in the back there. He was my pastor growing up. And Pastor Bob... <clears throat> told me this story a couple of years ago. Uh, it's about a Bible study that he leads. It's called Bible on One Foot. And uh, from what I remember, it's uh, Pastor Bob leads these Bible studies on Monday nights. We actually have information in the Connect booth. If you're not in a Bible study, you should go or you could, or you could watch online. He's a great, he's a wonderful Bible teacher, just a wealth of knowledge. Um, but from my understanding, the Bible on One Foot series is kind of an overview of the Bible. Like you're not getting into like the nitty nitty gritty, but helping you to kind of understand like the broad strokes of the biblical narrative. But um, before he starts that series, he's got this story about these two rabbis. There's Ra- Rabbi Shammai and Rabbi Hillel. Okay, and these two rabbis, uh, they once had, um, a rabbi just means teacher, by the way. That's what they called teachers back in Jesus's day. And, th- and these teachers had disciples. So, but there, in, on this one occasion, there was a young Gentile who desired to convert to Judaism. 
Okay, so uh, this, uh, this Gentile, anyways, this was not a rare occasion, uh, but this uh, particular Gentile would only convert to Judaism, he said, if you could explain the Bible, the, the whole, the, the, the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, right, the whole law of Moses, while he stood on one foot, Right? Think about that. Five books. If you ever read the five books of the Bible, they're not very small. They're, they're big. Right? There's a lot to explain there. And so this, this, this Gentile first went to Shammai. And uh, Shammai said, like, hey, in so many words, he said, it cannot be done. And he chased this Gentile away with a stick. Like, I looked this up. This guy, like, like it says that like, he chased him away with a stick. And I looked at another page that's like a, like, a, like a Jewish culture page or whatever, and it said it was like the equivalent of like a two-by-four. Like, yeah, like, like, what a nice thing. Welcome to church. Ah, get out of here. You want to know about Jesus? Ah, right? And then so this young Gentile who wanted to convert to Judaism, he didn't give up. And then he went to Rabbi Hillel and said, uh, can you tell me, uh, everything on one foot. Can you tell me everything? And, and so Rabbi Hillel says, whatever is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the entire Torah. All the rest is commentary. Now go and study it. If I was uh, to choose a rabbi, which one to fall on, I would probably be more like Shammai, unfortunately. If you came to me in my office and said, John, can you just sum up the whole Bible? I don't have a two by four, but I do have several lightsabers, not just one. I have several lightsabers in my office and I might just chase you away with my lightsaber. Say, ah, go study the Bible. You're, you're, being, you're being crazy or whatever. But I think the whole point about this is that sometimes we get bogged down into the details that we miss kind of sometimes the main points that you can get uh, stuck in the trees and then you miss really the forest. You miss kind of the main point. And I think sometimes that we do this as Christians, that you can study, 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 but then you kind of like miss like applying it to your life or you kind of, you lose kind of like meaning in all of it. And so this teacher of the law, they comes up to Jesus and he says, you know, can you simplify this for me? Like of all of these commands, which are the ones that are more important? Like, what's the, what's the forest through the trees here, right? And so Jesus replies on one foot. No, I'm just joking. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Over the last several weeks, we have seen Jesus just getting absolutely blasted by religious leaders. Jesus is at the temple. It's getting closer to the Passover celebration. Um, and thousands of Jews have come into Jerusalem, right? It's hectic in the temple. It's a busy time. People are offering their sacrifices and all this. And over the time, these religious leaders just keep hammering Jesus, trying to trap him and kill him. And we're, the tension is building in the story of Mark, that we're inching closer to the crucifixion of Jesus. But it's really interesting. In, in this story, a, a scribe or a, 
uh, teacher of the law is what it's kind of translated today. Uh, these were kind of the, the theologian slash lawyers. They were um, also kind of like protect, protectors of the tradition. They were really well educated and they were sharp and their main job was to uh, do litigation. Um, but comes to Jesus with a question. And so he says, you know, what are the, what is the, what are the most important commandments? Now, just to let you know, there in the Old Testament, there are 613 commandments. That's called the, the mitzvot. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Can you guys say that, mitzvot? That's it. There we go, 613 commands. Now, they, you had, these were written down commands that you can find in your Bible. Okay, on top of that, they had, recre- they had created Uh, 1,500 more commands called the Mishnah. Now, these were uh, done by the religious leaders, and they were kind of like, they were like, kind of like the practical outworkings on how to keep the 613 commands. So you add another 15 on top of that, 1,500 on top of that. Can you guys say Mishnah? All right. So I don't know about you, but if you have 1,500 oral laws and 613 written down commands, I could not remember any of those. Like, I don't even know where I put my wallet or my keys half the time. Like, I'm literally like frantically searching when I leave the house and like, oh my gosh, where did I leave my stuff? Like, how in the world would you ever be able to make sure that you're following all these laws and making sure that you're keeping God's commands? So by Jesus's time, they were weighing up, like, what are the commands that are kind of central to the message of Yahweh? What are this, what it, what it's kind of like, what's the point? Can we get it down to just a few commands? Which ones are more important or which ones kind of hold more weight? And so rabbis, they would be asked this, like, which ones kind of are, are the more important commandments? So this isn't an odd thing that this scribe actually asks Jesus. But Jesus replies by quoting the Shema. Now the Shema means listen and obey. And you can find it in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 4, verses 6 to 9. But the Shema was this prayer that Jewish people, they would, they would pray it twice a day. Uh, they would put it in their doorsteps. They would like literally get this prayer into their systems like on what it meant to uh, basically uh, to worship Yahweh. And I'm going to read it out for you today. This is from Deuteronomy 4, to, uh, 4, 6 to 9. So it'll be on the screen behind me. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That looks very familiar from today's passage. But it goes on, it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames, there you go, of your houses and on your gates. The main way that the Jewish faith was passed down from generation through generation was through the family. Okay, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, listen closely. If you want your children and grandchildren to be followers of Jesus, it first starts in the home. Okay, it starts in the home. Uh, This is what teachers always say when they're drilled at parent-teacher conferences, right? And the parents are all pointing the fingers at the teacher. The teachers say, well, education really starts at home. 
But it's true. The same as it is for education, right? It doesn't all fall onto the teacher at the school. And the same thing is it doesn't all fall onto the pastor when it gets to church or the children's worker or whatever. That it's our responsibility, all of us, to pass this faith onto our loved ones. The discipleship or apprenticeship to Jesus just doesn't happen by osmosis or luck or whatever. It takes intentionality of passing the stories of Jesus and our faith on to our children and to the next generation over and over. That's the best parenting advice I can give you. So please write it on your foreheads. No, don't do that. The Jewish people, again, would pray this twice a day. It was on their doorposts. Their door, their doorpost. It was a de- declaration of God's rule and reign, that he alone was king. Now, it was written at about maybe 300 B.C. in a very, uh, 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 it was written in a very polyethic, polyethic, poly, poly, well, I can't say it. I got it right in the first service. You say it, Esther. Polytheistic, thank you. Polytheistic um, world, right? There was many, 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 many gods, right? But Yahweh was called only to worship one and only God. That we, that we as Christians together, together today, even though we, that God is three, he's one, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one God. We have a monotheistic, that got it on the first try. We have a monotheistic faith. We believe in only one God. And this is something they would say over and over. It's how we give true worship to God. God is only one God. It means that everything in our life should start in love and devotion to God. It is the wellspring for everything else. You cannot really love or give life to somebody in you if you do not have love first in your life. That we love God, but he also pours his love into us. First John says, we love because God first loved. You guys are such good Bible scholars. Well done. You know it. Yes. Yes, that's absolutely it. So it all starts with our love and devotion to God. And so we are to love God with all of our hearts. This is our feelings. But also in Hebrew time or in Jewish time, in 2,000 years ago, this also meant their thinking. It's not just kind of this wishy-washy kind of feeling thing. But we're to love God with all of our heart. We're to love God with all of our soul. That means our passion, our life force. What gets you out of bed in the morning, right? We all know those people like it's really, really hard to talk to until you get them on the right subject and then you can't stop them from talking. Right? If you go up and you approach my dad and you talk to him about trees or churches, good luck. He is, I know what your passion is, right? You're, you're to love God with all that. That's supposed to be worship to God, right? And I'm not picking on you, but that's just a really easy example. You're to love God with all of your strength. What you do with your physical bodies really matters in terms of your worship with God, with your, your work life, with your sex life. Everything is supposed to be worship to God and, and what we do. You're, you can worship God by disc golf or pruning trees or hunting or Spartan races or, day, dare I say, pickleball. If, you're, if you ever go to the YMCA of DeKalb on a Friday, it is pickleball mania. People are diving on the floor, doesn't matter their age, just going all out, pickleball or go home, right? But all of that, everything that we do in our lives is to give glory and praise to God. 
It's supposed to be, everything's supposed to be 24-7 hour worship to God. The problem is I only make it about five minutes before my sin creeps in, right? To love God with all your heart. And so one day we'll be in heaven with Jesus and it will be all said and done. But until then, the goal is, is to continue to turn back towards God, open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, and continue to try to live our lives as 24-hour worship to God. Now, love your neighbor. I love Jesus because the scribe asks him for one, and Jesus gives him two because Jesus can do whatever he wants because he's God. And he quotes from Leviticus 19, verses 18. And he says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, this comes in a passage which is like a laundry list of how to treat the people around you. Right? Don't cheat people. Uh, give to the poor. You can, you, if you want to read all of Leviticus 19, you have at it, right? It, like over and over and over again. Have justice. Be forgiving. Don't hold grudges. Uh, it's all about how you treat your neighbor. And then it's kind of summed up as love the, your neighbor as yourself. Now, what's really interesting about Jesus is, okay, so he holds these commandments as like one and the same. Right? To love God with all your heart and soul and mind and all your strength. And by the way, Jesus added mind in there. He just throws that in there. Because again, Jesus can do what Jesus wants to do. And your, your, your mind is your thought life. Right? But to love God and to love others, like you can't do one without the other. You can't go, you can't worship God here and you can't leave this place and then treat your waiter or waitress like crap. Uh-uh. Not okay. Right? You, these are on the, Jesus sees these as one and the same, almost like binding together. Now, love your neighbor. Let's talk about your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? There are three types of neighbors, I think, kind of like three layers or three dimensions of neighbors. So you have your physical neighbors, those people that you live next to. They're the people on your street. Number two, they're the people... Um, in your social network. And this is what's so important, why we pray for these people and why we should be praying for these people each and every week because God has placed these people in your life, your friends, your family, your neighbors. Those could be your physical neighbors, but those could be uh, people like who are your acquaintances or people you bump into week to week. They're people you see over and over again. Those can be your neighbors and your coworkers, right? That God has placed these people in your life and you're to love them. And the third category, which we all love, is your enemy, if you were to read Luke's version of this, uh, Jesus concludes this teaching with the parable of the Good Samaritan, which the enemy of the Jews, the Samaritans, end up becoming the hero of the story, which means we are to love even people who have cut us deepest in our lives. They're the hardest ones to love. And the problem is that we live in such a transient culture. We can pick and choose who we want to spend time with, who we love, and who we are around. Um, we tend to pick people who are like us, who talk like us, who have the same hobbies as us, who vote like us, and so on, and so on, and so on. And we can just kind of shut other people out. Who cares about them? I got the people. And the reason why we like these people so much, why we love people like that, is because they remind us of ourselves. 
which meaning is we just really love ourselves. It's kind of sad, isn't it, right? If we're honest, we all have people who get underneath our skin, who push our buttons, who drive us nuts, who chew with their mouth open, or whatever it might be. You know what yours is. For me, it's the person who speeds through my neighborhood where my kids play. I live in a cul-de-sac. There is no need to come flying in your pickup truck like 45, 50 miles an hour when you have to slam on your brakes at the end of a cul-de-sac. That's what the, why I got the house there, is so that people wouldn't be speeding through. And they still do, Kevin. No, I'm just, ah, just, oh, ah, I'm just joking. I'm just, just messing with you. Love you, buddy. It's not Kevin. Okay, and look, I know that people love their dogs an awful lot. We hear it week by week, and I love Maya, and, and I have nothing. I love dogs. I am not a dog owner myself. I am happy to pet a dog as long as it's not aggressive towards me. Um, I used to have a dog when I was a kid. I love dogs, right? But I do not want to clean up somebody else's dog poop. Okay, like when a hot, steamy present is left on my lawn, in my gut, what I want to do is take that hot, steamy present and I want to return it to the sender, okay? And when I, when I lived in Fort Wayne, this would happen all the time. I'd go out, dog poop again, and you think, all right, don't throw it in somebody else's yard, put it in the trash, turn the other cheek like Jesus does, don't walk just one mile, walk two miles. I got it, Jesus. I'm paying, to the ser- so paying attention to the Sermon on the Mount. Though in my heart, oh wait, that's still a sin, crap. You know, it just drives me up the wall. I don't own dogs because I have enough butts to look after already in my own house. I clean up enough poop. But when I moved to the glorious suburbs of Auburn, Indiana, I thought the dog poop will be done. But the truth is, it still happens in Auburn, Indiana. And I got to love those people anyways. It still happens, people. You got to love them. But loving these people without first loving God and letting God love you is impossible. It's absolutely impossible. We have to receive and know God's love and experience God's love to love other people. And that means letting God love you with his arms open wide, even when you're in your sin, your brokenness, your insecurities, you enter the blank. The Father's gaze is nothing but pure affection and unconditional love for you. The Father does not have his fingers pointing at you. He has his arms open wide. And for some of us, we just need to realize just how loved we are. Are. You have to receive that love. Some of us have a bad view of God of somebody just ready to strike you down with an, an, angry, an angry God with a lightning bolt. That is not God. God loves you. He is our Heavenly Father. He's our Abba. He's our Daddy. He loves you so, so much. And once you realize that love and once you get that love into your system and sit underneath His love, and not just once, but over and over and over and over again, it's like this overflow that we bring into the world around us. The God's grace and His love always goes from an upward relationship to an outward relationship. If we are missing a lived-out love for God and neighbor, we are missing the the forest through 
the trees. It's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. You can't love and then go and treat people like garbage. You can't treat people badly. You can't gossip behind people back. You can't speak ill of others or whatever it is. You can't plot your revenge of putting your dog poop in somebody else's mailbox or whatever. Okay, won't get into that, right? Loving God and love others are two of the same. But I love what the, the scribe says back to Jesus. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is so offensive for all the people and especially the other religious leaders around. Where are they standing? In the temple. What are they doing? They're offering sacrifices and burnt offerings as worship to God. He's saying if you do these things, you don't need all the rest of this. Love God and love others. They're standing in the temple. This is, this is like something Jesus would say. You know, something offensive. Get people all riled up, right? I love a little Jesus in my life. Like, yeah, poke the bear. <laughs> I love what Jesus says in response. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And then from then, then, from then no one dared to ask him any more questions. Yeah, don't ask Jesus questions. He's always got an answer, right? But it's interesting. He says, you're, you're not far from the kingdom of God. He doesn't say you're in the kingdom of God, but what hasn't the scribe done so f- yet? He hasn't put it into practice. If we want to be in the kingdom of God, we have to put it into practice. What is the opposite of loving God and loving others? It's idolatry and it's injustice. If you read the Old Testament long enough, when you see Israel's sin and God's um, like frustration and anger towards Israel, it's the same sins a lot of the time over and over. You wonder, it's like, it's like oh, man, these people keep doing the same things all over. You think they'd learn, right? And it's idolatry and injustice. Idolatry and injustice. What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to love God and love neighbor. Love God and love neighbor. And they just do idolatry and justice over, over, and over. It's the twin sins of Israel. And it's the, it's, the, it's the same sins as us, right? Israel might have had little carved images or engraven images, and then they neglected the poor or they did whatever to, to bring injustice on their neighbor. For us, it's not a little wooden thing called Baal. It's insert your blank. Whatever we give all of our time and attention to and our, our worship to other than God. And how we treat other people, the poor, the oppressed, the least, the lost, the last, the annoying people, the people we don't think that belong, the people who aren't like us, right? God's family is supposed to be all these people. It's supposed to be our brothers, our sisters in Christ. We're to accept and love all people, all people. God's message, Jesus didn't die for a few people. He died for everybody. Just as God matters to you, he matters to everybody. The the 27,000 people of Auburn, DeKalb County, and Northeast Indiana. That this loving God and loving others, it's it's a lifelong uh, relationship and and lifestyle, uh, an obedience to God. And it takes a lifetime to do it. Turning back to God over and over again, letting him recalibrate our hearts to loving God and loving neighbor. And they go hand in hand. This is the core practice of 
the kingdom of God. So my question for you today is what does your life look like when, when, it, when I ask you, are you loving God and are you loving neighbor? Where are you loving God and where are you loving neighbor? And where aren't you? Don't lose the forest through the trees. Please stand. I'm going to pray for us. And I'll invite Roy to lead us in our last song. In a, like a small, like little prayer, it's called the confessional. It says, um, uh, it's talking about getting kind of rid of all of the sin in our lives. And one of the lines in it is like, we're sorry for not loving God. And we're so- sorry for not loving our neighbor as ourselves. And I actually read this out at St. Mark's and it kind of just it struck me in a new way. That's exactly it. Like we haven't loved God with all our heart, soul and mind and all of our strength. And we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves. By the things we've left undone or the things that we have done like it's not just the things that we do it's the things that we've neglected as well so I just want to take a moment just go ahead and close your eyes and and uh, we're just going to go before God in terms of a a place of just just confession Uh, you don't have to say anything out loud but just confess it in your heart God Jesus Christ is our high priest and he can forgive you all of your sins let's just say sorry for to God for the things that we know that aren't right in our lives Spirit, Lord Jesus. <laughs> yes, Jesus, Lord. Lord. We just ask that you would forgive us, that you would restore us, and you would create us more into the image of Christ this morning. Lord, help us to be people that are filled with the Spirit, to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Lord, we're, we're sorry for like when we put other things before you, when our attention and our values drift from loving God. And Lord, we're sorry for when people just get on our nerves to the point of just annoyance and we treat people badly. Lord, we repent of these things. Lord, we turn back to you. Help us to be like Jesus in every way. Help us to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Help us not to just be near the kingdom of God, but help us to be in the kingdom of God and to bring, your he- bring heaven to earth through our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this message helps you to grow in a relationship with Jesus. Connect with us at classiccitychurch.org.